Hey, I want to say hello to our Maple Grove campus. What's up? It's good to see you guys. And on both campuses, Spring Lake Park and Maple Grove, how, how many of you love Jesus today? Just give it up for Jesus. As we follow Jesus, we just believe that there's an opportunity for us to grow and to become something that he designed us to be. We have promise. We have hope. We don't need to be worried. You don't have to be shaken. You don't have to feel like you are at the end of your rope and there's nothing left. Because at the end of every rope, Jesus is there for you and he can walk you through any stage of life. This hashtag winning series has really been about what does it take to be successful? How do you go into training and how do you prepare for the future in every person's life that is a success story? And I'm not just talking about the ones that get all the notoriety, but I'm talking about parents and, and individuals that make it through difficult circumstances. There's more to their story than what you see. And we've used the metaphor of an iceberg and how 10% of the iceberg is above the water, but 90% is below the water. And the reality is that every success story has far more to it than what we see. And as we're chasing what God has called us to be, it's likely that we need to go through discipline and training and preparation to become what he wants us to be. Like Paul told the church that we are to go into training and train our bodies so that we can win. We have to deal with the discipline aspect, but we also have to manage our emotions as we talked about last week, so that we don't lose it in the middle of our battle. And today, we're going to talk about pain and success. And, and to help me, we have an interview I want to do with a person in our church who is a champion in boxing and MMA, and, and he's just an amazing guy. Would you welcome to the platform today, Blake Builder. So it's so good to have you here, and uh, man, uh, I, I'm going to use you as one of my bodyguards, not just... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> new security at the New security, here we go. <laughs> now, uh, Blake, you have a story, and you've won several uh, championships. Obviously, you got belts up here. The one you got around your waist right now, uh, what, what is that championship? Uh, this is the ringside world championship boxing belt. Uh, I'm the middleweight champion of 2016, so about a month ago, I went down. How about that? Pretty cool. Now, obviously, uh, man, you've got an amazing story. Um, you're fighting regularly and uh, competitively, and, and uh, there's a lot more to your story than what we see just in the belts, right? So yeah. um, you've gone through training. You've gone through a lot. How did it all get started, and how did you get to become a champ? Uh, well, I was an energetic kid that didn't know what to do with it, and I was getting in a lot of trouble, and uh, I, I found a boxing gym. Uh, I was introduced to that on the east side of St. Paul and immediately fell in love. I just, that's where my heart was, and, uh, you know, me and my friend who went there, we were the first people in, and we were the last people out, so, mm. you know, we were just in there every day diligently, like, mm. just working hard at our craft. And you're undefeated now. Undefeated, 25 and 0. Yeah. Well, how about that, huh? It's fun. I got to know Blake for the first time, really, just a couple months ago when he won that belt. 
and we saw each other in the hallway and he brought it in with him because he'd won it the day before and I'm like we have champions at Emmanuel you know <laughs> and uh, pretty cool story now but beneath the surface um, you, you mentioned that you were in the gym early and late and yeah. put a lot of time in and stuff but uh, you've gone through some painful experiences I'm assuming in that training pain has been a part of your story oh yeah and uh and when it comes to fighting and your your face, your hands and everything, in fact, I was worried when we we did the fist bump beforehand. I'm like, <laughs> is it going to hurt? You know, uh, um, you have to, pain is a regular part of your story. So yeah. how do you deal with pain? I mean, what, what do you do to kind of make it through pain? Well, I mean, first off, you know, uh, I, I just try. I just try and roll with the punches. You know, as, as I as I experience pain, I try and deal with it head on. You know, I don't I don't run from the pain. You know, I face it head on, and uh, you know, I just try and deal with it uh, in the current situation, like in a fight. Mm. You know, there's no choice other than to deal with it right then and there. So mm. that's kind of my motto. If I'm going through pain, you know, I handle it right then and there, mm. and uh, make sure that make the necessary changes. Sure. You ever feel like quitting in the middle of a fight? Oh yeah, all the time. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So how do you like not quit? I mean, you feel like it, your pain is telling you just to stop and how do you not quit? You know, it's just, uh, I, I, I just have this faith that, um, you know, as I'm, as I'm going through this pain, as I'm enduring it, that um, there's just a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel that I can see. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, if you can, if you can just have that faith and, and see that light at the end of the tunnel, and know that things are going to get better, you know, mm-hmm. um, it does. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I fought a national champion last weekend, and that boy hit me hard. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I saw some lights, and I, I wasn't sure if it was the light at the end of the tunnel <laughs> or not. No, like, <laughs> man. <laughs> but uh, stuck in there, you know, turned it around in the first round, almost knocked him out. Um, and uh, won by decision, but it was a, it was a hard fought fight. It was a really really wow. tough game fight wow. fighter. Now your your sport is something that you do, and it's something a part of who you are. Yes. But you you've also fight in life, and there's been some things that you've overcome in life. And uh, yeah. talk about what this last what the, what's happened this last year for you. Yeah. So this last year has been uh, really big for me. Uh, I've uh, battled addiction. Uh, with drugs and alcoholism uh, for a little over 10 years and um, in and out of treatments, talking to multiple psychiatrists, psychologists, you know, talking to so many different people and, and, uh, you know, just going back. And uh, I am proud to say that I'm a year and 10 days sober today. Pretty cool. <laughs> the uh, that overcoming nature meant that you're you're facing pain daily in your regular life, and the challenges you face, and as a boxer. And uh, when it comes to overcoming pain, what would you say is the most important thing for you that the way you make it through both in your your personal life and the challenges you face, as well as your sport? How do you, what's the, what's the one thing that you go, man, that's how I overcome? God. Mm. 100%. It's, um, you know, I just, uh, 
you know, I was born without a, or, you know, I, I, I didn't have my father growing up, so when I found out that I, I, I always did have a father, you know, who loves me unconditionally and, and is somebody that I can, I can put all my trust into, it's unconditional love, and it's always there for me, never will, nor, never will forsake me nor leave me. You know, I just, I, I, I just seek God first. It's really, I turn my will over to him every morning, and mm. I, just, I just trust him. Come on, somebody. Would you give it up for Blake the Tent? Let's go. Thank you. Today, I want to talk about pain. Will pain be your prison or your platform? Blake gives a great representation of this, but all of us, it'll become one or the other. It'll either be your prison or your platform. And I want to look at the life of Joseph. If you've got your Bibles, take them out with me to Genesis chapter 37. Genesis chapter 37. I was thinking about the preparation and the training that Blake had gone through. You know, they say that, that you'll, uh, you'll deal with one of two pains. You'll either deal with the pain of discipline and preparation or the pain of regret. And when it comes to pain, we're going to look at a character in the Bible, a real-life individual that encountered repeated pain, and somehow he overcame. Genesis chapter 37, starting with verse 3, Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other children because Joseph had been born to him in his old age. And so one day, Jacob had a special gift made for Joseph, a beautiful robe. But his brothers hated Joseph because their father loved him more than the rest of them. How many of you, you thought your parent might have loved your sibling a little more than you? They hated him because they thought his father loved him more than the rest of them. They couldn't say a kind word to him. One night, Joseph had a dream. And when he told his brothers about it, they hated him more than ever. Listen to this dream, he said. We were out in the field tying up bundles of grain and suddenly... My bundles stood up, and your bundles all gathered around and bowed low before mine. And his brothers responded, so you think you will be our king, do you? Do you actually think you will reign over us? And they hated him all the more because of his dreams and the way he talked about them. Now, Joseph in his story is an epic story as you will see in the coming chapters of Genesis, that not only did he have a dream in which his brothers would bow low before him and he said it and his brothers hated him, but they took the next step as they, they set it up so that he would fall into the bottom of a pit. He was sold as a slave into a household in another nation, into Egypt. He is thrown into this house where he's serving. He has no choices over his life, a great injustice. His father knows not where he is. He's separated from anyone he's ever known in his life. Somehow Joseph makes the most of the opportunity he has in a guy named Potiphar's house, rises through promotion all the way to the top level that he could possibly go overseeing the household. And then one day Potiphar's wife, Mrs. Potiphar, tries to seduce him and uh, he says, no way, I can't do this before God. 
runs away. She grabs his cloak, it says in the scripture, and then he runs away and she uses the cloak to accuse him of rape of which he did not do. And then he's thrown into prison. I can imagine the depths of the pain that he felt in the prison. He had made his way out of one tragedy and rose to the top and now he's back at the bottom again amongst other criminals. And here he is, he makes the most of his circumstances again and he rises to the top and the warden of the prison promotes him and he's overseeing things within the prison. Along the way, he did not lose his relationship with God and he continued to interpret dreams for people. Two of them were the cupbearer to Pharaoh the king and the, the butler, um, there's another word for the, the cupbearer and the baker. So those two guys are the ones that were in charge of delivering news back to Pharaoh's household. One, their dream is revealed and he died just as Joseph said it would. The other, it brought him back into service with the king. Then one day, the, the king of all the land, Pharaoh, has his own dream. And because of his prior experience in prison, he's referred back to Pharaoh and Joseph finds his way out of prison into the palace. He interprets the dream and not only does he interpret the dream, but God gives him supernatural wisdom for what to do about a coming uh, famine in the land in which everything would die and they had seven years to prepare for it. and so they used those seven years and Joseph rose his way all the way to the second most important person in all of the land of Egypt under, under Pharaoh. And here, as we see this story, it only reveals the pain moments in Joseph's life. And then, and then it kind of comes full circle as the known world comes to Egypt to get their food because they're all experiencing the same famine. And sure enough, Joseph's family, his brothers, all come and they're before him. Scripture says he actually wept out loud, which was not common in their customs and in the culture of that day. It was so overwhelming, it just burst out of him. And he had love for his brothers, and it was a reuniting after decades of being separate from his family. And then you look at Genesis chapter 45, starting with verse 4. This is what happened. It says, please come closer, he said to him, them, his brothers. They came closer. And he said again, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into slavery in Egypt. But don't be upset and don't be angry with yourselves for selling me to this place. It was God who sent me here ahead of you to preserve your lives. This famine that has ravaged the land for two years will last five more years and there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. God has sent me ahead of you to keep you and your families alive and to preserve many survivors. So it was God who sent me here, not you. And he is the one who made me an advisor to Pharaoh, the manager of his entire palace and the governor of all Egypt. This is the moment in which the light bulb goes on for Joseph. All the dots are connected in his life. He didn't know why he was in prison when he was in prison. He didn't know why he was a slave when he was in Potiphar's house. He didn't understand the why in the moment when he was in the bottom of the pit. But now, years later, he begins to see how God had connected all his pain together and it had a purpose. See, life, as Pastor Dwight Daniels used to say, life is best 
lived forward but understood looking backward. See, at each stage of pain, Joseph somehow moved forward. Instead of anger and bitterness and contempt and pride, he had grown through his pain. And now he looks at his family and he says, I get it now. Every successful person in any area of life has had a walk of pain, their own story of pain. Parents have had to go through pain. You know, they say that uh, pain lasts for a night, but joy comes in the morning, or sorrow lasts for a night and joy comes in the morning. Joy doesn't always come in the morning for parents of young children. Hello. You've been up all night, you're finally sleeping, and they're waking you up at 6 a.m. Hello. But there's all kinds of pain that a parent has to go through in order for a child to make their way. But professionals in business and education, they've had failures and difficult experiences, and things didn't go right for them at different stages of their journey. Every successful person has somewhere in their story pain. Pain is a regular part of growth and success. Spiritually mature people have gone through something. Overcomers have overcome failure or addiction or no family support, and somehow they make their way forward. You will not look at anyone who succeeded in life that doesn't have pain in their story. Turn to the person next to you and say, I know you have pain. <laughs> it's true. There are all kinds of pain. There's different types of pain. There's physical pain. Physical pain is real. The struggle is real. The body hurts. Blake talked about his body hurting after a fight. And each fight that he went through, he learned from a fight so that he could succeed in the next fight. He didn't want to hurt the same way again. Physical pain is a real thing. The body will tell you that something's not right. And it will actually prevent you from doing something wrong. A few years ago, I was still working at North Central University and I was playing basketball with the staff. And I remember I was going up for this layup, and I thought it was going to be a perfect layup until I, as I was going up, my foot stepped down on the side of another person's foot, and my ankle began to turn. And then a 350-pound custodian was behind me, and he was coming down like he was going to block my shot, only I don't think he was very high in the air. And he lands on me at the same time as my foot stepped down, and it snapped my fibula. I went to the ground, and how many know the struggle is real, right? It was painful. But here's something. That pain was actually good in the sense that it told me to not get up and try to run again. It told me to not, because the, the bone had to be fixed. It had to be set. I had to have, go through rehab over a number of months so that it would not be permanent in its damage. Pain can have a good, a beneficial aspect to us. Pain helps us know we need to address a problem, okay? So physical pain is real. Childbirth pain is real. How many have birthed children? You understand what I'm saying. I've just only heard, only heard stories. But ultimately, all physical pain is temporary. Ultimately, it is. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16 says, that is why we never give up. 
Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone. But the things we cannot see will last forever. Physical pain is temporary. But then there's also mental pain. It's internal You feel the loss of something, an internal pain of regret, perhaps, of something that you wish you had not done or an an opportunity that you did not take. And you're feeling that sense of, of, of mental pain and anguish. You know, there's all kinds of that uh, going on in our culture just related to depression and other things. And we've kind of got a crop of a generation that's coming up that only understands pain, but they don't know how to fix the pain. They don't know how to deal with the pain. Uh, We support a Chi Alpha ministry, which is a college ministry at Winona State University. And and Steph Peterson, the director there, was talking to recently, and she talked about how the university system is now overwhelmed. Their counseling centers are overwhelmed by the hundreds of students who have issues internally, but they can't find resolution. Now, those because they're overwhelmed in the counseling side of things, they're looking for ministries and others to help them because they they don't have answers enough to to go around. There's not enough of the solution. Friends, I'm telling you, we live in a culture that knows how to medicate pain internally, but they don't know how to fix it. Pain is real. Mental pain is real. Third, there's a loss type of pain, a grief. Grief of losing a loved one or the loss of a friendship, or loss of something important to you. It's a real pain. Fourth, there's the pain of others hurting you, where their choices that they make actually hurt you as a parent. Watching wayward children make decisions that they should not make hurts a parent. But maybe you've had a friend that's done something wrong, and it hurts, and they hurt you. Others in here, you've been abused or you've had other events happen to you historically. And as it happened to you, it's as if it put a wound deep on the inside of you and they've hurt you. Fifth, there's the pain of conviction of sin. The pain of conviction of sin, the hurt is good. You can feel the separation from God and others, but it's there. As it says, Jesus says in John chapter 16, and when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. The Holy Spirit comes to convict of sin. Now, here's where we have a challenge. In our culture today, we have isolated modern American culture, points the finger at making anyone feel bad about anything. If I disagree with what you're doing, I have no right to disagree with what you're doing. The behaviors of our culture and the norms of our culture have radically changed over the last 10 to 15 years. Now, if anyone says that's wrong, you're the wrong person for pointing it out, okay? Now, where this becomes a challenge and a problem for us is it says in the scripture, Jesus says, the Holy Spirit will come and he will point it out that you're walking the wrong road, that sin is taking over. He'll convict you in regard to righteousness. And when he does that, you can't resist it and think, 
oh, that's God. He hates me. I don't want anybody telling me what I'm doing is wrong. No, maybe you need to embrace the voice of the Holy Spirit in your life and say, you know what? He's convicting me of something that only he can forgive me of. Because you can't change your insides. Only God can wash you free, forgive you of your sin, and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Only God can transform you. And that pain is not a bad pain. It's a good pain. Can I get an amen? Now, it's interesting to me, it's interesting to me that when people walk through pain, and there's so many different circumstances about pain, it could be a loss of finances. It could be loss of a friendship. It can be a difficult stage of your business's journey. It could be a difficult stage of college or high school or you're on the developmental side of things. Or maybe you have a breach in a friendship or a relationship. When you experience your pain, pain will talk to you. It will drop little thoughts in your head and your mind. What is your pain telling you? Because it has a voice. Is it telling you that you're done? that you're weak, that your failure is final? Is it telling you that you can't trust anyone ever again? Is it telling you to stop dreaming, to give up on your earlier dreams? What is your pain telling you? And the script that runs in many people's minds when they get into the middle of pain is, why does God hate me? Why would a loving God let this happen to me? Or even just as dangerous on the other side of the pendulum, People may think, I must have done something wrong. God is punishing me. That's what Job's friends were saying to him while he was going through his pain. But friends, I want you to know this. No matter what those things are going in your mind, you need to pay attention to what the voice is, are telling you. Because everyone has a pain threshold. The place where we stop learning and trusting and we just say, I'm done. And when you reach that threshold, no matter what it is, and we often will grow in different levels of thresholds, and the higher you go in leadership, the responsibility that God gives you, the, the higher the threshold becomes, the more pain you have to bear, okay? But when you reach the threshold, you'll do one of two things. Either you'll stop and the pain becomes your prison, where there's no more dreaming and the voice in your head says, I can't move forward. Many people hold on to their unforgiveness in this way and they become friends with bitterness and they become permanent residents in a prison of bitterness or you can turn pain into your platform forward the most difficult of circumstances become the hinge towards your future successful winning Christ followers learn to grow past previous thresholds and what you learn in one battle can get you ready for your next battle come on somebody so today Today, I want us to look at, back at Joseph's life, how Joseph shifted his pain from a prison into a platform. How did he shift his pain from a prison into a platform? Number one, he embraced the dream giver more than the dream itself. He embraced the dream giver more than the dream itself. You see, pain often begins as the gap between our reality and our expectations. We expected something and it didn't work out and there is the pain. And when we're in that moment, we didn't get what we wanted to get. We didn't get the promotion we wanted. The marriage ended. The 
child didn't grow up the way we wanted them to grow up. We didn't get the person that we wanted to be a good friend of ours. We lost our job. Whatever those, the gap between what we expected and what we experienced is the pain, right? If we hold on to the dream of what we expected, we will miss out on what Joseph did. You see, Joseph had a dream, and yet he found himself in a pit. He found himself as a slave. He found himself as a prisoner in prison, and yet he was able to embrace God, the giver of the dream, not the thing that he had pictured he would be doing at the moment. Have you ever found yourself looking in the mirror and going, this isn't what I pictured for my life. And in that moment, you have a choice. You can go into a, a downward spiral of disappointment at which your pain becomes a permanent prison for you, or you can begin to go, wait a second, God is with me in the prison. God is with me in my pain. It's what David said, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I won't fear because you're with me. There was a realization for Joseph at every season and every stage of his journey that he realized God is still with me. I don't understand why I'm going through what I'm going through. It doesn't make sense. This is not what I pictured. But he chose to embrace the dream giver more than the dream that he had in his heart. He found purpose in his relationship, not in his position. Friends, we need to recognize that. Our purpose is not in a job title or a uniform or a perfect amount of money in the bank account. Our purpose is in our relationship with God, for he's the one that orders our steps. In Potiphar's house, he made the most of the situation Joseph did. Look at chapter 39. It says, when Joseph was taken to Egypt, by the Ishmaelite traders, he was purchased by Potiphar, an Egyptian officer. And Potiphar was captain of the guard for Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. And the Lord was with Joseph, so he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. Potiphar noticed this and realized that the Lord was with Joseph, giving him success in everything he did. This is interesting because here he finds himself as a slave in a household. And instead of having a pity party over his pain, he decides, I'm going to make the most of the opportunity that I'm in. You hear that? Because the reality is, often we want to have our pity party. And by the way, give yourself 24 hours to feel the pain and feel sorry for yourself, then get over it. Because you're missing out on your next steps. You're missing out on your opportunity. It says right there that God was with him in Potiphar's house. And then even when Mrs. Potiphar tried to seduce him, he says in verse 9, How could I do such a wicked thing? It would be a great sin against God. In other words, in the middle of his pain, he wouldn't allow himself to make decisions that he shouldn't be making. How many of you, when you're in your low moments emotionally and in your pain, you're tempted to do something you know you shouldn't do? And Joseph had somehow retained his connection to God where the pain didn't wipe him out. He felt deep injustice, but he makes the most of his opportunity. See, Joseph's dream was distant, but his relationship to the dream giver was strong. And secondly, 
How did he turn his pain from a prison to a platform? He used his pain station and status as a platform. So he looked at his station and his status and he used it as a platform. When I was a little kid, my mom is from the great state of Kansas and we lived in Michigan and my mom and dad put me and my sister on a train on Amtrak all the way to Nebraska where my grandparents would come up and they'd pick us up at the train station. Well, on our drive, our ride, whatever you call it, we would stop at different cities along the way. They were stations and you'd pull up and people get off and people get on. When it comes to life, you're going to have different moments and stations of your journey. You need to recognize that the station that you're in isn't meant to be permanent. It's just a station. And if you learn what you need to learn, you'll get your promotion to move on to the next station. Otherwise, that station becomes your prison. What Joseph was able to do is he was able to take advantage of his moment of pain and turn it to a platform by embracing that station. He said, I'm going to make the most of my moment right now. I love what Bill Keene says, yesterday is the past, tomorrow's the future, but today is a gift. That's why it's called the present. We need to take advantage of what we have today. If you embrace your pain, you miss out on the moment. There are people in your life that God meant for you to love and to serve. There's something about that boss, even though they're a heathen that you work for, that you're supposed to make the most of the moment that you're in and you don't want to miss it. See, Joseph was generous with his present. Potiphar's house became a platform for the prison, which became a platform for the palace, which became a platform for Joseph to step into his dream. See, platforms serve to propel. They propel you forward into something else. Pain is not to be wasted. It's meant to be something that propels you into something you couldn't previously see. Our worship team's here. We're really... uh, Uh, focused in on our language, the words that we use. And one of the things about this area on the front of both of our campuses is we don't call this the stage. A stage is something where everybody looks at who's on the stage. We call this a platform. It's a platform because we want the message to go out to people. Okay? And there's there's a significance to that language. God wants your life to not be a stage where you want everyone to look at you, but for your life to become a platform for his purposes to make a difference in the lives around you. Our days and our moments can become platforms for our future. Ultimately, Joseph's whole life was leveraged to transform more than he ever imagined. I want you to think about this in your season of your journey. When Joseph was young, his dreams were to be on the stage. But now that he's old, Joseph's life becomes a platform to help others. You see the shift? Early on, all he could see is his brothers bowing down to him. But as God used the pain, the story of his life, the stages that he went through, as God used all of that, now Joseph looks and understands, hey, that thing that I saw wasn't for me. It was to benefit others. Did you know that your pain, the story of pain, doesn't have to be wasted, but that if you let God, he can use you to make an inspiration, a story, a healing to the world that's around you. If you can persevere, he will put all things together for your good. 
He will do it. Third, Joseph's pain turned to praise. His pain turned to praise. Instead of bitterness and hurt, he saw God's hand in ordering his steps. He forgave his brothers and he reconciles with his family. In Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, it says, You intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so that I could save the lives of so many people. I put the so in there. Because it really wasn't just about the people in front of him. It was about the people in the world around him. Friends, what Joseph did is he had a choice to make. Was he going to carry bitterness all these years? And if he would have, I, I doubt that God would have promoted him to bring healing to the land. Or was he going to be one that would take every stage, every season as a platform to God's next season in his life? We can leave the prison when we are thankful. Thankfulness destroys victim thinking, ends the tormentor's power, and bitterness has nothing to feed on when you're thankful. When we praise God, we give God access to everything in our lives, and he takes what we give him and begins weaving it together, even the worst stuff, for, for the good. Romans 8, 28, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Now listen. Praising God and being thankful does not mean you say, God, you meant me, for me to be hurt. That's not what he's saying. But when you praise and are thankful and you turn to God like Joseph did, you're able to say, God, in my pain, I give you access to every part of me and every part of the stage of the journey. And then God, taking what we give him access-wise, is able to take each of the pieces of where we are and begin to weave it together for whatever that next step is. When we don't praise and we are unthankful and we're full of bitterness in our pain or self-pity, then what we are doing is we are not giving God any access. We're keeping it to ourselves, and we're trying to figure out how to make it through on our own. Our world is full of people who have been trying to make it through on their own, through the bottle or through complaining, and all they are doing is experiencing the pain of continued bitterness in their soul. That's all they're experiencing. But if you can, instead of, and listen, by the way, when we do that, we're not giving God anything for him to work together for our good. But when we stop and we just simply say, I don't understand why I went through that. I don't understand why I'm feeling the pain that I'm feeling. I can't make sense out of it. But I know I need to turn it and open up to God. I can't be thankful that I'm in church this morning. I can't be thankful that I got food to eat today. I can't be thankful that I have air to breathe today. I can't be thankful that I got a pastor who loves me enough to tell the truth to me today. There are many things that I can be thankful for. And in so doing, you open it up. It's like a green light to heaven to come and help you work through your pain, and he weaves everything together for the good of those who love him. Come on, somebody. Are you cooperating with God in your station of life? Are you working with him? Are you fighting him? 
by embracing your pain and pity? Are you allowing him to grow you past the thresholds of pain? Because there's more ahead. Are you ready for him to move you to the next station? Then praise him. Pain will take you closer to God and his purposes, or pain will swallow you and prevent your platform from ever happening.